Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Wow. Well, this is great, isn't it? I've got to say it's kind of hard following Paul coming back from the dead, but uh, I'm going to try to beat that. Um, really, honestly, great. I mean, just stirring, because basically uh, some of the things, the very things that Paul's talking about are the very things that I love. And the very things um, on why I love coming over here and giving myself to this uh, country, this lovely weather country, uh, because of seriously what God is doing and what God's about to do. And so um, I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing uh, around the church. I'm very encouraged actually in seeing some things shift that I've been wanting to see um, shift for a very long time, probably same as, as Paul. And um, and very encouraged in different ways. But let me just say this to you as we start here, because um, I love the local church as well. There's nothing like the, the power of the local church. So, you know, many times actually when you travel and you speak and you go from stage to stage and event to event, which, you know, the Brits love, which I'll never understand, especially camping in the rain. Like I just can't even wrap my head around it. Um, I live in California, by the way. Um, but... Um, but there's nothing more powerful than the local church. And so this gathering, and when Sim asked me to come, I don't know, probably a year ago, I was like, yes, I want to come to that. Because um, I, I think the events serve a purpose. But the truth is, our lives get played out, you know, in the day-to-day saying yes to Jesus and saying yes to doing life with the people that we choose to do life with, that God calls us to do life with. And so it's very good that you're here. It's good that you're here. If this is your church, if you're just sneaking in, great. Get some prayer, get some ministry, get encouraged. We want all that kind of stuff to happen. But let me just say this for the church. Like, get as much as you can these next couple days, you know, as we're together. We just want to pour into you. We want to see actually after this event. Because the truth is, it's not not so much the power of the event of when we gather. It's what happens after the event that shows how powerful the event actually was. And so I, I love the local church, but I like what happens after we gather. So the church gathers to scatter, right? So really, I just want to encourage you, put, you know, put any agenda down that you actually think God's going to say to you and let God, like Sim was talking about, let God speak to you the things that he wants to speak to you because it's probably going to be different. And can I just say this? Like, get some freedom. Like, this next couple days, get some freedom. Encounter Jesus in ways that you haven't. Forget about... This is not very pastoral, but forget about the people that are next to you um, and really let God encounter you um, because we do want to see people come to Christ. And so that's going to be a byproduct, actually, of, of hopefully after we spend a couple days together. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I really loved worship. Can I just say that? I, it really helps. <laughs> it really, really helps. When, when we get the chance to worship and God's already here. So just kind of coming behind and, and um, seeing what God wants to do with us tonight. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Yep, so this is family. So let's see what God wants to say to us. I have been praying about this for actually quite a while. And it's because um, I do pray before I go to an event, which is probably good. It's good that I actually pick up my Bible and read it. And it's actually good that, I mean, I want to hear for you. I want to hear what God is wanting to say to you. And then I saw the whole thing of uh, what they'd put together for uh, today and tomorrow. And I just, there's some things in particular that I, I just feel 
um, that this whole message of actually this um, going deep with the Lord. Because I think actually what we've been celebrating, especially in the last decade, uh, is, is how big a church is rather than how deep a church is. And I think that the depth of a person is really what sustains a person, and it's what sustains church, it's what sustains really everything else. So I'm just going to speak out of 1 Corinthians 3 here. This is um, the Apostle Paul, basically brilliant, one of my favorites, how he just sort of fatherly gathers everybody together. That's kind of what's happening here, is that he's gathering everybody together, he's speaking to the churches, it's very, it's very loving, and he's talking about... Um, really, um, some things that are going on in the church in chapter three here, where the church is distracted in some things that really, honestly, um, just aren't important. They're just not important. So everything, honestly, I think how the enemy distracts the church is through distractions and through our relationships and really through stuff that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. And so what Paul's doing here is he's kind of just steering everybody to come back onto the right page, everybody to see things from an eternity perspective, a kingdom perspective, and really living their life in, in what's really important. And he addresses here in chapter 3, I'm just going to read a little bit here just to give you a context of what Paul is saying. He's talking about some of their worldly practices, you know, some of the things that they're doing that they're not supposed to be doing. Um, but he's really addressing actually in verse 5 where he starts talking about you know, the argument about who's greater between Apollos and Paul and what great leader. It's, it'd be like today, you know, who's the greatest speaker, who's the greatest worship leader, all that kind of stuff, you know, kind of those were the distractions. They aren't new distractions. How many know the enemy uses the same stuff that he used then? He's using it today because it still works. So that's why the enemy actually doesn't even have to come up with anything new to tempt you because the same stuff still works. It says something, doesn't it? So that's what Paul's doing here, and he's talking about, listen, you guys, as the church, this is what I want you to catch tonight, as the church, the deeper we go with Christ and the more serious we take this call that he's invited us into, the farther that things go, the more that gets accomplished. And so we're all called to do and it, what God's called us to do, the side of heaven. We're all called to advance God's kingdom in the short amount of time that we have. And it's very important that, that we actually remember what's important. Just what's important. Like, why are we here? So let me tell you this about church planting, because I love church planting. But every time I see a church, and especially a new church, this is how I see it. I see it's basically like a stake being put in the ground. And that group of people are saying, now this territory that actually has belonged to the enemy no longer belongs to the enemy. So that's what you're doing here. What you're doing here is you're planted. And what you're doing is all of these communities, the school, the churches, the hospital, everybody that you encounter at work and business, whatever, you're basically saying what's belonged to the enemy, where the enemy's been able to do whatever he's wanted to do forever, how long, it's no go anymore. Because now we're going to take everything back that belongs to Jesus. That's what you're doing as a church. That's what you're doing as a family. It's very important. So these petty things that Paul's addressing are the same things that we get distracted with today. And Paul's just talking about, hey, listen, you got to remember that first of all, you know, stop looking at everybody around you and look at yourself. Like what's happening within yourself? He's talking about, listen, your part matters. He's talking about in chapter, in verse uh, six, where he talks about the Lord has assigned to each of us his task. One plants the seed, Apollo's watered it because they're, they're, you know, kind of saying who's the greater one. And Paul's saying at the end of the day, this is my part. This is Apollo's part. 
And he's saying, but it's God who makes it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and each one will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers who are in God's field, God's building. So he's talking about, again, the importance of, first of all, you got to grow as yourself. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know why you are. Because at the end of the day, the one thing that the enemy will always attack you with is who do you think you are? And if you, if you get distracted, if you get a misplaced identity, then what you're called to gets all, all muddy. So knowing who we are and growing as an individual is very important in our walk with Jesus, that we're actually growing up before we grow old. That's what Paul's talking about here, that it's a choice. Learning is a choice. Growing up is a choice. Maturity is very expensive. It's costly, very expensive. It's, it's costly in every area of our life. And what Paul's saying is all of this infant behavior, this childlike behavior, this, you know, kind of relational conflict that's going on it doesn't matter start growing up because you've got a you've got something to do with your life stop getting distracted in those things those things that actually take you out of the call that God's you know called you into so you got to know who you are because when someone knows who they are they know who they belong to and they know what God has placed in their life that's a productive person that's somebody that really advances the kingdom of God and one of the ways that we know that somebody really knows who they are is the fruit that they're producing from their life. It's not, and not, it's not how big, it's actually how much fruit is being produced. It's actually how much do they look like Jesus? Seriously, how much do they act like Jesus? You know, how do they speak like Jesus? Those are the things that actually says about a person's life. And you cannot, here's the thing about the church, you actually can't produce good, healthy fruit for the church if you yourself are not producing good, healthy stuff in your own personal life in your home. So owning the things in your own life, you know, making the decision, I want to grow up, I want to change, I want to become like Jesus, that's really important. My father-in-law was brilliant at this. He used to talk about, about growing fruit all the time and the importance of, of growing healthy fruit. And he said this, he said, whatever we are is multiplied, whether it be for the good or for the bad, whatever we have on our tree is what we're going to get in our orchard. And that's the truth. That's the stuff that gets multiplied. So we're all in this race. And how many know we want to finish the race? Nobody wants to start a race and not finish. But how many know we also want to finish the race not in our nappies full of stuff? I don't want to get to heaven with a nappy on full of stuff that I, I haven't grown in. You know what I'm saying? Like, so deal with your stuff. Deal with yourself. Look at it because it's really important, especially in the call of the church. And that is why we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit because there's so much talk about the, the power in the church. Do you actually know that I've never, ever been invited to a conference called the power of sin? I've never been, in call, I've never been invited to speak about weakness. I've never been invited to speak about, really, most, most of the things I get invited to speak on are, are power. So we love power. We're attracted to power. Is that true? Like, we want to be powerful. We're meant to be powerful. In fact, we're not meant to do the work of God without the power of God. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to grow. So let me just say this about the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. So we're building relationship with the person, right? So going through stuff does not grow you up. It's not just going through stuff. It's actually when you go through stuff that you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you so that you will grow. 
It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. He, he's our teacher. He's our guide. He's our, he convicts us of our sin. He actually is the paraclete, which I love, actually, because it just means that he comes alongside of us. He's our comforter. I mean, there's so many wonderful things, but the truth is he's our teacher. He's teaching us things about himself. He's teaching us, he's teaching us about things that, that we need to grow up in. He's teaching us about things that he wants to do in our family. He's teaching us about things that he wants to do in our church. And that's really, honestly, a powerful group of people is when they're all in that same mission together, where they're owning their own stuff, but then they're also wanting to grow up together as a church. Is that not true? Yeah. So I'll tell you, the last couple years for me, I've been in a season, very weird season, very difficult season, but I've spent the last few years probably unlearning things more than learning things. It's all learning. But at the end of the day, I, I've, the Lord's, it's almost like where the Lord's unraveling some things that I was taught were God, but I learned actually it wasn't God. They were just man-made ideas. And I've had to unlearn so many things. And what I realize is sometimes we can know so much about God, we miss him. Because we've learned so many things, and it's not necessarily all God. How many know that? So that's why we need the, the, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit to grow us up. Because when we have that, he puts us right on the right path. I've never once actually, <laughs> have you ever gone before God? Like, I've never once gone before God and go, you know, Lord, show me anything in my life that's not right. <laughs> no, I'm good. Like, there's nothing. I mean, have you? I mean, a good question to ask God, if you want to know the answer, is what's wrong with me? Because he's going to tell you. He's going to show you. So get this in your heart tonight, because it's important. Ask God the areas that he wants to grow you up in. And the thing is, this isn't something that you search for. He'll just reveal it to you. Because that's 2 Corinthians 10. He'll just reveal things to you that he wants to grow up in your life. And so when Paul's actually addressing what's happening here to the people, they're so distracted in so many different things that aren't important. And this is a picture, I think, especially what we have in culture today, where it's not very popular to die to self. <laughs> Dying to self is just not popular. How many know, you know, selling death is not popular. It's just not. And that's the role of, honestly, the church leader. You're, you're, my, my job is not to make better healers. My job, is, it, my job is to teach people how to die as a, as a leader. That's it. It's the, it's the call to come and die. That's what you're doing. If you know Christ, that's your call. You're inviting people to the gospel message, and the gospel message is one of death. Like there's nothing self in it, and it's completely different uh, from our culture. But here's the thing. When we stand before the Lord one day, what God's going to ask us is if we loved him and we loved other people. And in that, our great commission is whether or not we actually reproduce disciples. In other words, it's not about having all these big events. The thing is, is that we're supposed to actually make disciples. And how many know only disciples can reproduce disciples? But do you actually realize that in the text, it does not say, if you're a church leader, make disciples. No. It's that if you know Christ, your call is to make disciples. This is why you got to keep growing. Because if you're not growing, you're not changing. And if you're not changing, you can't take people where you want them to go. So the Lord's always stretching us because he's wanting us to bring other people with us so that we're reproducing ourselves. That's the call of the believer. That's why the power of the church, what Paul said, the power of the church actually, like I'm not against the big gatherings. I do big gatherings. But there's nothing like when somebody comes in contact with Christ because of somebody else's testimony. 
It's the one-on-one. That's the power of the church. It's your daily interactions. That's why growing up is so hard because it fights everything self in us. So I have never, this is the truth. I have never actually, in any miracle I've seen or anything, it has never been at a convenient time. Ever. Ever. I can tell you lots of stories about people getting healed, the miraculous. I did not want to go and pray. That's the truth. I didn't want to go pray. Didn't necessarily like the person. Whatever it was, I'm just telling you the truth. Ministry is so inconvenient. Discipleship is so inconvenient. And dying, forget that. That's really inconvenient. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the call of the church. So it's the disciples that are making disciples and changed lives. This is the thing about your story of your life. It's changed lives that change lives. It's so simple. But the truth is, if I know, if I'm struggling with something, and I hear from you that actually you came out of something that I'm struggling with, the power of that gives me hope. So it's your story. So when we leave here, it's not about becoming this great whatever. It's about just being where you're at, allowing God to use you, allowing God to grow you so that God can use you to reach the people around you. And so what we're fighting in culture is we have so many distractions. We are completely distracted all the time. How many know the enemy can actually even use the church to distract the church? And I almost feel like we're living in a time, you know, 150 years ago, there was a Danish philosopher named uh, Kierkegaard. And this is actually what he said about the church at the time of what they were, uh, the institutional church of of what they were facing. He said, for a long time now, the tactics have been to move as many as you can into Christianity. Don't be too curious as to whether or not they will enter into true Christianity, he said. My tactics have been, with the help of God, to make it very clear what the demands of Christianity actually are. You know how people know that? By your life. You know how people see that? By how you live. It's the things that actually we walk through where people are like, man, whatever it is that you have or whatever reason why you have hope, that's what I need. So it was Jesus. Jesus didn't say, bow your heads. He said, take up your cross. Big difference. That's a different message. Is that not true? Right? So it's really important that we understand this is ongoing. There is no instant fixes. We're such in a culture of self, self, self. Everything is instant. Maturity is instant. Your healing is right now. Let me just tell you this. 90% of the healing that God wants to do in your life will be in your daily yes to him. And it will be through the hands of the irritating people that God calls you to do life with. That's going to be where your healing is. God has put your healing in the hands of people that you're around. That you're like, oh my gosh, please let me go there because that's where God's really moving. Or please let me actually see that because that sees so amazing. I just know if I just get there, then it's going to be great. How many know that's really what we have in our culture? And I believe if you can't make it great where you're at, you can't make it great where you're going. Because everywhere you go, there you go with it. You follow it, right? Oh, I was doing this study, no joke. I was doing this study probably a couple years ago about what churches, and this is why as the church, the power of our story, there's nothing more powerful than our story in the gospel message. (laughs) I was doing research about churches that were trying to get people to come to church, to buy into church. This is no joke. Okay, this is not just American either, just so you know that. One. Free iPhone chargers. Come visit our church. Free iPhone chargers. Another, free cake. Free cake. What do you guys have here? 
tea, tea and coffee. If you guys didn't have tea and coffee here, nobody would be awake, let alone being able to worship God, right? And <laughs> you have to do that three or four times. We probably have to do that three or four times tonight just to make it through. But do you see what I'm saying? Like there's all these offers. One of the other offers was, especially this is California, free tacos. We'll give you free tacos following lunch, you know, following church if you just come to church. We're in church, I kid you not, was raffling a free iPhone. I thought, oh my God, what are you going to do? Are you going to give them a car next? Is that what we're going to do? We're just going to like have the service, and then at the end of the service, you're going to say, behind door number three, you know, if you're sitting in this seat. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's so not the gospel. This is the call to come and die. This is going to cost you everything. It's going to change your social life. It's going to affect, actually, the friends that you have. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. This is actually going to cost you some friends. It might cost you some of your family. That's part of it, isn't it? Is that not true? But I learned a long time ago in leading a church. I led a church for almost 12 years. Whoever I appease, I'm going to end up having to please. And I'm going to have to keep doing that over and over and over again. And the church is actually not here to make us comfortable The church is not here to make us happy. The church is here so that we can gather, so that we can get empowered. We can be reminded of the king that we worship so that we can tell other people there's hope outside of what they're living in. That's the power of the church. That's better than any iPhone. I know some people don't get that. But the truth is, that's the call of the church. That's what God has placed on you. The great Puritan, John Savell, he he did this great thing about the cross. And he said, it is not a velvety cross. And sometimes I think that's how we preach. We talk about, you know, how, how easy this is and come to Jesus and you're going to look better. You're going to sound better. You, you know, all these come and we're going to experience heaven. Now, let me just say this. This is not heaven. I wish it was. This is not heaven. You do not have the power to pull heaven into your world. I don't see any there without in scripture. I'd, can I just say this? I hope Paul, we're on the same page on this, but. If we're not, I'll pray for you later. But (laughs) this is the thing. I do not want that pressure on me. I do not want the pressure on that everything has to get fixed this side of heaven. Because I can't, I have a hard time believing that all the saints that went before me that suffered so much that I don't, I won't have to suffer. I have a hard time believing that actually that the model that Jesus left for us where he said, Father, I can actually only do what you're showing me. So we actually don't have the power to pull heaven into our world. What we do have the power to do is to step back and say, God, where is it that you want me to go? Who is it that you want me to speak to? And will you empower me actually to say the right thing at the right time so that they experience you and they encounter you in a way that they've never encountered you before? Does that make sense? Right. So it's not a velvety cross. This is a bloody, broken cross broken on our behalf, Christ giving his life for us, the power of that, the power of the cross. We cannot get to the power of the resurrection without first encountering the the cross, the call to die, the call to, you know, kind of give up ourself. And I think actually in the church, and that's what Paul was addressing all the time, is he's saying, you guys, listen, the thing is we glamorize the wrong things. We think, oh, this is better. If I water or if I lead somebody to, to Jesus, that's better than the person who actually mentioned Jesus before. No, here's the thing. At the end of the day, if you make the coffee, if you clean the bathroom, if you do worship, if you preach, if you pray you know, for the people that need ministry, if you're working with the kids, the pay is the same. The pay is the same. 
And the truth is, all of you in this room that are doing, you know, what God's called you to do to work together, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, work on yourself so that you can see the part that God has called you into because your part matters. But it's not any more important than the other parts. It's not any more important than what God has called somebody uh, you know, next to you into. And so the, this thing, of, it's not very, if you're visiting tonight, it's not very popular to talk about the dying of self. But the truth is, the more we say yes to Jesus, the less we, have, we get to take with us. The more we say yes to Jesus, the Lord begins to, you know, kind of remove things from our lives. And I think so often as the church, we forget that, that 11 out of the 12 of Jesus' disciples were martyred. Martyred. And John was boiled to death. He just didn't die. You know what I'm saying? So it, the, this is the call that God has called us to, is that to be trained for ministry is to be trained for martyrdom. It's actually the call to die. And it really is just gets, it gets played out in our culture where it's dying to all the distractions. And it's dying to all the things that the enemy loves to pull us into. Is that not true? We just tend to get pulled into all kinds of different things. And at the end of the day, what we have is so valuable. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about people being with Jesus forever. What we carry, is, it's going to be costly because it's the most valuable thing that we have. There was this guy that, that came into the UK from Pakistan, and they were doing an interview with him. And this is what he said when he sat down in church. He turned towards them and he said, the wonderful thing about here in the UK is that we don't have to look under the chairs to see if there's a bomb. I think just sometimes we just forget how easy we have it. I'm not saying life is easy. Life is hard. But what I am saying is there's always other people that have it a lot worse. And the people that have gone before us have really paid a high price so that we would share about Christ where we're at today. There's a reason for it. We build on the shoulder of those that have gone before us. Does that make sense? So the call to the church, the call to ministry, because we're all ministers, is to come and die. How encouraging is that? <laughs> but that is what it is, and that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about that, that the importance of actually working on yourself, because I don't know about you, but if I'm actually not with the Lord, and if I don't spend time with the Lord, and if I'm not having the Lord minister to me, I don't tend to really like other people. But I'm going to be honest, it, it takes God to actually love God, it takes God to serve God, it really takes God to love other people. So I love people, but the truth is, people are not always easy. How many know that? I've tried to do the ministry without people, it doesn't work. It actually, you need people for the ministry. So I've, I've had to, through the years, learn how to love people really well, because that's the highest call, actually, of servanthood, is to love people. That will always be the greatest risk in the kingdom of God. But it really is this whole thing of working on ourselves, and it will go opposite of what the world is trying to pull you into. Now, here's the thing. What God has called you to at this church matters. So you may think it's not important, and I'm saying it's important. Yeah. I'm saying that it really affects the church. And because I've, I've led a church, if somebody actually doesn't show up for the children's ministry, it creates a ripple effect. Do you see what I'm saying? So every part that we do, and that's what Paul's saying here, is he's saying, you guys, don't get caught up in all that stuff. Keep focused on the mission. It doesn't matter who leads the person to Christ. It doesn't matter who gets to pray for the person who gets healed, you know, from whatever disease. At the end of the day, it's all on the same playing field. Every part matters because we're doing this together. We're better together. 
We're stronger together. And all of us doing our part together is what Paul was so good at kind of bringing everybody back together. To just be reminded of not getting distracted in those things, right? But here's the thing. Only Christ can make you grow and make the church grow. So I've seen it for years where fantastic leaders, amazing leaders, you know, give their whole heart to the kingdom and the church is 100 people. Seen the same thing happen with other leaders where basically they actually weren't even as gifted, if I'm going to be honest. And, and God grow that church to 1,000, 2,000 people. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. You determine the size of your growth by saying yes to God and he determines the size of the ministry that you're a part of. That's who God is. He determines the scope of the church. It's not the size of the church that matters. That's why Jesus used 12. It's actually the effectiveness of everybody being on the same page. We're in this together. We're going to love each other. We're not going to get distracted in other stuff. And then in that, if God wants me to go clean the bathrooms, I'm going to go clean the bathrooms. See how quiet it got in here on that one. But, but is it not true? It's all, it all matters, and that's what Paul's saying here. He's talking about that as we grow up spiritually, we know our part, we know what we're called to, we're doing what God's called us to do, and this is, this is actually going to hurt even more. I practice this all the time, though, because I think it's very important, is that if somebody else is, is by me, especially in the church, so if you've got like a whole worship community, say if you have like five worship leaders, if those worship leaders can't pray for the worship leader next to them to be bigger and better than they are, then something's not right. We want each other to, do, to go even farther than we go. Like, I want the people that follow after me to go much farther than where I've gone. I want them to do well. I want them to sing well. I want them to lead way more people to Christ. And I want to bless them in that. And if I can't bless them to be like that, then that's something wrong in my heart. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why Paul always brings it back to relational stuff. Because it really is those things inside of us where we just honestly, we get insecure. And we, we, get insig we feel insignificant, and we feel like what we're doing isn't making a difference. And I'm here to tell you, it all makes a difference. It matters. It matters. Don't get distracted in things that don't matter. Focus on what God's called you to do. Grow up and have God use you in those places, and the truth is you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. So if it's making coffee, make the best coffee you've ever made. You know what I mean? If you clean the bathroom, clean it well. You know what I mean? Don't hand it off. Don't call in sick. If you're working with the kids, which is one of the most powerful ministries within the church, you know, that is the, our future, then, then take care of those kids like they're your own. Do you see what I'm saying? It's all advancing the kingdom of God. That's why Acts chapter 10, which I won't go there, it's too much, but here's the thing. It's my favorite because Acts chapter 10 says that Jesus went around doing acts of kindness, releasing people from under oppression and the power of the devil. And translated, what that means is Jesus went around doing kind, kindness, acts of kindness, and it brought people into freedom. In other words, Jesus is basically saying to us, which is what he does because he knows us too well, is he just lowers the bar. He's like, basically, if you could just get up in the morning and be nice to people, it advances the kingdom. Right. If you could just be nice, if you could just be kind, kindness I think we're in the days of actually kindness being the most underused, but the most needed gift in the church, yeah. just being kind to people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stay with me here. <laughs> being kind is so powerful. People are hurting. Yeah. Every week, everybody in this building, people are hurting. Yeah. Your community is hurting. Yeah. 
Your community is lost. Your community needs Jesus. This is the thing. They don't know it, though. They don't know it unless you reveal it to them and unless you show it. So being kind, Jesus is like, just be kind. Just go the extra mile. The power of kindness changes people's lives. And the importance of that. Man, kindness is just so underused, underrated. Most powerful gift. Um, Augustine, you know, the great saint, Augustine, who was actually, when, when Augustine began, you know, all those centuries ago, he, um, he actually, in starting ministry, his mom, who he's very close with, you know, she passed away, and he thought, you know, I'm just going to go back home. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to hide out in my little village, and that was his plan. But Augustine was he's quite charismatic uh, guy, quite charismatic leader. And so soon, you know, people got to inter- encounter him and speak with him, and he got so popular so fast that they made him a they made him a bishop. Actually, he became a bishop in the in the village or town or whatever you call it. And um, but here's the thing about Augustine is that he when he when all that began, it was it was powerful. And all of these great things were being said about him, about how gifted he is and what a great speaker he was and how much knowledge he was. He was an intellect, all of these wonderful things. And what the people didn't know is that before Augustine got there, he actually was quite immoral. He had an entire life of where he was immoral. He had all these things where he was not following God. It was actually the prayers of his mother that actually brought him back to Christ. And he he writes about this where he says he comes to a point in his life where he could decide, okay, whether or not he was going to say about his former life. Like, should I really, should I just let everybody believe that I'm better than I actually am? And he came to a, that point in his life and he thought, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to share the, the, the whole of who I am because if I don't share who I really am, which at the, the best of all of us were broken vessels, that's the truth. And, and, and Augustine said, if I don't share the truth of where I came from and what God has done in my life, then I'm actually devaluing the gospel message. So he made him go back and say, the, it's the confessions where, they, where he's confessing all of these things that he did in his youth for the sake of Christ. So what Paul's saying here is he's saying, hey, listen, you, you want to actually share who you are. You, it's not about being ashamed about where you come from. It's about the power of what Christ has done in your life since you encountered Christ. But in that staying focused and continuing to grow up, because then Paul goes into this where he's talking to the people and he's talking about just doing your part. And then he begins in verse um, 10 where he talks about the grace that God has given to us as expert builders. It is God who builds the church. He's the one that, that actually, you know, kind of builds everything when we, we do our part and God does his part. That's basically the power of the church. But then he goes begin, he jumped down to uh, verse 13 and Paul says this. He says, all of the work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And what Paul's basically saying is he's saying, you know, kind of your life, your story, what you do, how you share, all those things matter. But at the end of the day, this is what I believe we're going into as the church. And this is why working on yourself is so very important is that the church is going to come under intense fire. And we're going to come under intense scrutiny. And we're going to come under a lot of pressure from the world around us. And it will come in ways that you never thought it would ever come. 
And the enemy's sneaky. He's, a, he's sneaky. And the enemy will come in, and there will be a pressure. And if you're not working on you, the enemy is so quick to snatch you up. And everything that you do and everything that you give your life to, and that pressure, I don't want to discourage you, but the truth is that pressure is going to come more and more on all of us in the church. It's going to come on the gospel message. It's going to water down the gospel message. It's going to water down everything that Christ came and died for. And one of the great pressures that's going to come on the church in the coming years is whether or not we're going to stick to the power of the gospel message. And if we're just going to keep focused and do what God has called us to do and not get pulled into arguments. How many know nobody got ever saved by an argument? Hello? You know, people don't get saved by arguments. It's, we're, it's the biggest challenge for us is not to get pulled into petty arguments and distractions, but to stay focused. And if that's whatever it is in the local church, that's the power of advancing the gospel message. That will be the pressure. The enemy will come at you in ways and you'll feel pressure to give in. You'll give pressure. You'll have pressure to give way. You'll have pressure to actually dilute God's message. You know why? Because it will come across as, well, you don't love me if you don't accept me. You don't love me. See, the church doesn't disagree well. That's another topic, but we don't disagree. The thing is, is that all of those things that the enemy is going to try to pull us out of are just trying to distract us from the most important thing of what God has called us into. And you know what it is? It's very basic. Some of you are watering. Some of you are going around town and you're just pouring water on people. You just have conversations with people and they, you just mention Jesus. You just mention what he's doing in your life. You just mention some of you are watering. They don't say yes to Christ there. You're just watering. Some of you, you're waters. You just water all the time. You're like, I'm so sick of watering. Like nobody ever comes to Christ. Does it matter? Yes, it matters. Because you don't know when the ground gets soft. And then when the next person comes along and that person says, I've been waiting to say yes to that. Do you see what I'm saying? It all matters. Where God has you, it matters. What God's investing in you, it matters. What God wants to do through the church here, no matter what actually comes up against it, the church will be fine. God is fully in control. And so just sticking to that is what's very important. So I'm not a big warfare person. I'm not somebody that's like, oh, you know, hellfire and brimstone. I'm not, not that kind of person at all. But what I am is that I see, I've read the Bible, first of all, that helps. Can I just say that? Reading the Bible helps. Could just go like this so I know that you're listening. <laughs> Reading my Bible as a believer actually helps. How many know putting on your armor helps? It blows me away how many believers don't wear their armor. You're in a battle. You know what I mean? They're like, oh my gosh, I'm just getting knocked from every side. Do you have armor on? No. Oh my gosh. I need my armor. Yes, you do. Because God gave it to you for a reason. Do you understand? All those things are important. So, being honest about where you came from. Watering. Some of you actually just in the city of actually teaching that's a ministry that you're teaching other people by the way that you live. Are you attracting other people? The thing is, if people have to guess you're a Christian, you're hiding it too well. There should be something different, right? Should there not be something different about our lives? So it's not about becoming this, it, you know, what? I, especially with local church, you know, sort of events. It's not about getting to a place where, oh, then we'll be effective. It's about being effective where you already are. It's about saying yes to Jesus where you're already at. So when any pressure comes, 
You know who you are in Jesus. You know this is where God's called me. You know what God has said over my, over my life. I know who I am. I also know what I'm not. How many know you also need to know what you're not? Like if I was on the worship team, there'd be nobody here. But I know that about myself. So if I didn't know that about myself, like a lot of pastors do actually, and they get the mic, you know, and they sing after the service, and it's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like it just feels like everything shifted, and a lot of pastors do that. Like, I know that I can't sing. I can rap. But here's the, thing, here's the thing. A lot of people are coming to Jesus from rap. Not my rap. Not the white, Christian, you know, California girl rap. That's not going to happen. You have to know what you are, and you have to know what you aren't. And it's okay if you aren't all things, because nobody is. So the power of this church, the depth of the church, is you as an individual saying, okay, God, I just want to grow up. Like, I want you to grow me. I want you to stretch me. And you know what? I'm going to tell you this. It's painful at times. But it means that God's taking you somewhere beyond where you are right now. And it's a glorious thing. And you won't get there if you don't allow God to stretch you. And then in that, you're looking at the church here and you're like, what's my part? That's, that's the depth of, of, a person, of a Christian. What's my part in the church? Like, where's God calling me? You know, even if it's, in the, if it's being hidden, if I'm hidden, you know, it doesn't matter. What's my part in the church, Lord? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to love? How do you want me to be to the people around me? That's the effectiveness of a church. Amen? Amen. 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 It's powerful. There's nothing more powerful than the church. So let me tell you this, because years ago, I'm not going to, I have to say years ago. So <laughs> I was at church. I was so frustrated at church. So I, I haven't heard any of this from, this has nothing to do with your church. This has to do with me. I was really frustrated where I was at, at church. And um, there were so many things that weren't right. But the biggest thing that wasn't right was actually me. Can I just say that? Because <laughs> it's like people come in and telling me that how prophetic they are. And they start giving me all these words about what's wrong with the church. And I'm like, uh, yeah that's not a prophetic gifting. That's just you. Like you just need a cleaning. It takes no prophetic gifting to see what's wrong with the church. (laughs) Like at all. So I'm in this season where I'm just so frustrated with church. It's not producing what I want it to produce. It's not, I'm not seeing what I want it to see. I'm just really frustrated on so many different levels. How many know we've all been there for different things? It doesn't, does every, every one of us that have been in the church more than a month, that's, we've all been there. So <laughs> this is what the Lord says to me. He said, Christy, I, instead of actually seeing everything that's wrong or what, you know, complaining about what you, you know, all that stuff, the Lord said to me, I want you to go to church every week and I want you to look for people to encourage. And I was like, what? Like I, it didn't even compute actually. He had to tell me a few different times because I thought that certainly cannot be the Lord for me. Um, but it sure, it was. And, um, and I began to do that. And I, I did that for almost a year. And I would go to church, and instead of actually thinking what we were going to have for lunch, I would actually go, and I would look for somebody just to encourage them that morning. Just how could I encourage them? And it completely changed how I saw the church. That instead of actually having a consumer mindset of what are you actually going to give me, it's like, what can I do, and how can I go and bless somebody today? And here's the thing. It changed so many people around me, but the person that it changed the most was me. Because I began to see the church with different lenses. And there's the thing. It was our church. So you know when somebody is actually in a church when they, they use language like my church. So if this is your church, you don't, you don't tell the pastor, you know your church is doing this. 
You say, you know, our church needs this. How can I serve in this? That's what Paul's talking about here. It's owning it, like owning it together. We're in this together, better together. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? All right, I'm just going to do this because I do, and it's not going to hurt you. So if you're here tonight, you're visiting, um, you're like, what am I at? (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. But I like doing this because I so believe in the power of the word, and I believe actually so often we forget like the things that God plants inside of us. You know, it's like sort of like you go to church and God speaks something to you and then you forget it. Like actually as you're driving home, you lose your salvation, something like that, you know. <laughs> so I'm a big believer that you pray God's word in you. And so after I, after I preach, I just want you to put your hand over your heart. Here's a couple of things that are really important we'll do this weekend and Paul will do it as well. Is that we are... We are going to bless God's word over our spirit. We're going to ask God to hide it in us so we stop sinning. So we just get on the right track. But also, we're going to ask God to sharpen us, like challenge us. So let's pray that right now. The other thing with that is we're going to learn more to recognize God's presence on us. You have to learn the presence of God on you and around you because he's always doing things. He's always doing things. And it's not always a feeling How many know our feelings change like every, you know, a minute for a woman, 10 seconds. So we were, we were going to pray, right? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Put your hand over your hearts. (laughs) Now, Lord, we thank you for the power of your word tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, how your word sharpens us. Lord, we thank you for Paul. Lord, we thank you, Lord, uh, just for the example, Lord, the reminder, uh, Lord, just to our, just to go deep with you. Lord, to know what you've called us into. Lord, not to get distracted in things of relationship and petty arguments or who's better than who. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would take your word tonight, Lord, and that you would mold us, Lord, so that this would be a a place, Lord, that was molded after and for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, Lord, that it goes deep within us and it strengthens us. Lord, that no matter what we come up against, no matter what comes at us, Lord, that we won't be overcome by it. So, Lord, we thank you for the power of your word that it strengthens us and it empowers us on a deeper level than what we even know, can see, or imagine. Now, just pray this over yourself right now. Pray it over yourself. Lord, take your word and sharpen me tonight. Challenge me tonight, Lord. Stretch me tonight. Just pray that for a minute. Now, Lord, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your presence and the power of your presence, Lord. And, Lord, how you help us, Lord. You're just our helper. And, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would help us tonight. Lord, where those need help in certain areas, Lord, would you help them? Would you be their advocate? Would you fight for them, Jesus? No, I'm just waiting a minute because I'm just, you know, it's very important to me that we just don't go ahead of the Lord. You know, it's like he just, when God does stuff, he just does it right. So we just want to, it's important that we have times like this where we can just say, you know what, Lord, like, how do you want to minister to us? What do you want to say to us?
So, Lord, we thank you for your presence, Lord. Just speak to us, just sweet presence, of the peace of the Lord in here. As, um, okay, there's some of you that you are, like, in this. I'm just going to say a couple things. We'll see if it's right. But there's, just, there's some of you where you're actually in this place where you just feel like you need God to go ahead of you. So when I said advocate, I felt like immediately the Lord was saying, I want to minister to people to be their advocate tonight. Um, there's that. And the other thing I was sensing earlier as well when I was preaching is that that some of you, the Lord has been stirring things inside of you that he wants to change in you, and you've been resisting it. And let me just say, it actually takes more energy to fight God than just to surrender. And change only comes when we surrender. That's it. It's, a, it's when you actually can't do it. So I actually, those two groups of people, can you just start coming up here? Because, come on, you know like God's bringing something up in you, and this is sort of a change thing. This is what we want to do this during this time together. We want to we become more like Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. And that means we have to deal with some things. It's very good. It's a good thing. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.